One of the greatest expressions of our love is in our gratitude to him for all that he does in our lives. And we can miss that one. But the psalm speaks about gratitude. And then it speaks about dependence upon God as well. And God wants us to depend upon him, to look to him, to expect from him, not from ourselves, not from others, to depend upon him. And when we depend upon him and he delivers, then we should be grateful. We should be thankful. So let's look at the psalm. We'll read through it first, and then we'll take some points uh, as we go through it. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrows. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. I, will greatly, I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word, Lord. Would you open it up to us and help us to receive it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, now as we look at this, um, we, we think David wrote it. We don't know. It doesn't tell us uh, who wrote it. The occasion of writing it seems to be that he had victory over a particular problem and difficulty in his life. And it looks like it may well have been uh, grief caused by the death of someone or some people that he loved. Look in verse 3. The sorrows of death compassed me about, and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. All right, so it was pretty bad. Have you ever been in a place where... Uh, it seemed like it was so bad that <clears throat> the sorrows of death had kind of just gotten there, gotten themselves lapped around you, and you felt like there was no way out. There was no uh, way to deal with it. Um, <clears throat> and then he says uh, in verse 17, sorry, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, you and I face grief and problems and difficulties in this life that, humanly speaking, are set to sink us. And it comes to all of us sooner or later. We face problems that we look at and we just, you know what, I can't deal with this. Humanly speaking, I'm not able. I can't overcome this. This is too much. Uh, this is going to swamp me. And that's where the psalmist is. So now you can put your own title on it. You can, you can take in your own life and put your title on what it is, what the problem is. Uh, but the issue for the psalmist, the issue for David uh, in writing this psalm is this. He got victory. Do you realize there's nothing coming your way this week, next week, next month, next year, or in your lifetime that God has not carefully vetted and decided this is the best thing for you? 
And, you know, we don't know. We have no way of knowing what we're facing in life. We have no way of understanding. Uh, I'm kind of glad we don't, aren't you? But you have things ahead of you. I have things ahead of me that I have no way of dealing with. But we always have this. God promises to be with us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. His hand will always be in us. So whatever you and I have to face, we would remember that. We would keep that in mind. And David uh, is going through this awful time in his life, but he comes to victory. Right now, back to verse 1. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Now David's talking about prayer here. He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. He hears me. Now, and, and my supplications, he inclined his ear to me. God inclined his ear to him. Now how did David know the Lord had heard his voice? How did David know? Well, simple. God answered. God moved in his life and God answered. God lifted him out of this place. And David was sure that God had heard him because God had answered him. Do you know that prayer is supposed to be an asking and receiving? That you ask God and God gives you? Now listen, God doesn't give you everything you want. He's too wise and too good a father to give you everything you want. But it ought to be the habit of your life that you're asking God and you're receiving for, from him. Somebody uh, used the illustration, if you send a letter to Australia, I can't imagine Australia. Well, I can imagine from some pictures, but I can't, I've never been there. I can't imagine Australia. But if you send a, a letter to Australia, it will be kind of easy to say to somebody, do you mean to say you put it in the post box down in Glenview and you really expect that somebody's going to pick it up? And they're going to take it all of 10,000 miles and deliver it to somebody's door in Australia. Do you, do you really think that? I mean, I'm telling you, there's way too many things could happen along the way. Uh, that, that, that's never going to happen. I mean, you can just forget about your letter. But if I had the response to my letter in my hand, in other words, if I sent the letter and it went and it got delivered to the door and the person turned and responded to the letter and sent me a letter, I could say to you, listen, I have every confidence that it can because look, the answer came back. And you see, you and I need answered prayer to build our confidence in God. We need to be in the place where we, where we hear God. And part of, the, part of the, what's happening for David here in this psalm is he's, he's excited. He's thrilled because he's called out to God. And God has answered his prayer. God has met the need. God dealt with the issue in his life. Now, does God want to deal with the issues in your life? Does God want to answer your prayer? Does God want to build your confidence in him? He certainly does. God wants to answer your prayer. He wants to meet your need. He wants you to grow in confidence in him. We've got to cry out to him and ask him, though. And then we've got to recognize when he does. And I think oftentimes we cry out to God because we're desperate, but we're not really expecting an answer. And when the answer comes from God, we treat it like coincidence. Well, it would have happened whether I prayed or not. It was going to happen whether I prayed or not. And I think we need to stop doing that. That's countering our faith. When we cry out to God and God delivers us, we need to say, thank you, Lord. We need to say thank you. We need to recognize that it's his hand that delivers us. We need to recognize that it's God at work that changes this situation and that delivered me. 
you know what, I think it would be a very good idea uh, to have a little journal where on the one side you write the things you ask God for, on the other side you write the things God gave you. It might surprise you how often you ask and receive. It might surprise you how active God is in your life. But if you don't, if you don't reckon on it, if you don't take account of it in your mind, yeah, God did this in my life, then what happens is you end up missing it. You end up, and you end up not having your faith built. Because we believe in a living God. We believe that when we die, we're going to go to heaven to be with this living God. Based on faith, based on the fact that we've trusted him. We believe those things. We're sure, we're sure his word is true. But personally, you and I need the reality of answered prayer in our lives to build our faith, our relationship with him. God wants you to have answered prayer. David has it. David's, David's kind of, you know, as you look at this psalm, he's kind of excited about the whole thing. And the reason he's excited is because God answered. He was down low. He was so low, he thought there was no way out. He thought he was finished. He thought there was no way to overcome this. God delivered him, and David's excited about it. You know what? That's the way God wants to build our faith. He wants us to come to the place where we reckon on answered prayer. Where we reckon on God answering our prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. No good father is going to give a child everything they ask for. But you know what? There's a lot of stuff your heavenly father delights in giving you. There's a lot of stuff there's no problem with him giving you. A lot of stuff is in his will, and he wants you to ask for it. He wants you to come to him. He's a great God. He's a big God. Uh, he's never had a short day in his life, and nothing you can ask him for is beyond him to give. Sometimes he says, that's not what the best thing is for you, child, and he doesn't give it. But listen, our God gives him. We ought to expect him to answer prayer. Um, verse 3, we've read it. The sorrows of death compass me about, and the pains of uh, hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. You ever been there? Lord, deliver my soul. You're not talking about, now listen, give me enough money to pay for uh, the rent next week. And you're you're not talking about incidental needs now. You're talking about my soul, Lord. I I can't make it without you, Lord. Lord, would you deliver me? Would you lift me out of this problem? Would you deliver my soul? And that's what David's asking for. Uh, Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. I love that. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Now let's back it up, though, a little bit here. Look at verse 6. The Lord preserveth the simple. Who are the simple? We're all simple, aren't we? Now, you could have waited a long time to hear that, right? That you're simple, right? But we, we are all simple. Uh, the reality is, we think we're in control. We think we've got life by the tail. <clears throat> you know, we think we've got things organized and we can handle things. And you know what? We can't. None of the big stuff can we handle. We, <clears throat> on our holidays, we went to visit Pompeii. Pompeii is the city that Vesuvius came down from the mountain, and it just destroyed the city in a day. And you know what amazed me about it? These people lived a pretty good life. They had their theater. 
They had their uh, stadium for their games. They had their houses. They had their square for meeting in. They even had fast food restaurants outside the stadium. They, they had all these restaurants. And the thing about Pompeii is it's all still there uh, because they just dug it all out. Uh, and there was just dust covering it. They had running water. They see lead pipes. You see the aqueducts coming in. They had everything. They had a pretty neat life. They had a world that was working pretty well for them. They thought they had it made. And then one day, it was all gone. It was all finished. It was all wiped out. You see, here's what happens. We think we're in control of life and we're not. You know what we need to be? We need to be simple. We need to be before our God. We need to be like children. Lord, I can't. Do you know God never intended for you to be able to run your life without him? Let me say that again. God never intended for you to be able to run your life without him. He never intended for you to be able to live without him and his power. I think we get ourselves in a heap of trouble when we plan on living our lives without him. Because what he does is he just steps in and he says, no, you can't. You're not able. Because he wants us to be simple because simple people trust in him. Isn't it precious how trusting a child can be? You know, a child will take and they'll jump into your arms from a height and you're going, oh, no, don't, please. They don't care. They, 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 they think you can do anything. They're going to trust you. <clears throat> and um, God wants us to trust him like that. He wants us not to trust in ourselves but to trust in him trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths he wants you to be simple and trust him he wants you to recognize lord i can't you see here's david in a moment of grief in a moment that when when the the waves are over his head when he doesn't think he can make it in that moment of grief and he's saying lord i can't But you can. And you know what? God does. God comes through for him. Do you know? God always does. See, God made this world. He made everything in it. And he made the crookedness of it uh, so that we would turn to him in it. And he wants you and I to trust him, to depend upon him. And the brokenness in your life is of God to enable you to trust him and to depend upon him. Just be simple. Stop trying to work it all out for yourself. Stop trying to run your own life. Stop trying to be the boss. You're not the boss. He is. There's one God and it's not you. And come to the place where you say, okay, Lord, I need you. Lord, help me. And look, I I want to be careful how I say this. But, But there are certain things that God can't resist. Look in the scripture and you'll see it. And that's the main thing God can't resist. When you and I come to the place where we're just saying, Lord, I can't. Would you help me? You know, so much so for Israel. Israel, in the book of Judges, the book of Judges is a dreadful book, right? Because in the book of Judges, you've got uh, this cycle. God blesses them. Uh, They get complacent. Uh, They get involved in sin. So God judges them. Then they cry out to God. Uh, God delivers them. And then they go back into sin again. They round and round. Gets to the place where God's so fed up with them. He says, listen, I'm done with this. I am not listening to your prayers anymore. Just go away from me. I don't want to hear anything. And you know what happens? They cry out to God. You know what God does? God answers them again. 
Yeah, because something of his nature just responds to that simplicity when we say, Lord, I need you. When we surrender and say, Lord, something in his heart is just drawn to it, and again and again he responds to us. Stop trying to organize the whole thing. You're not able. It'll always come unglued and fall apart. Because God wants you to trust in him. God wants you to depend upon him. He wants you to be simple. The Lord preserve it, the simple. Do you want the Lord to preserve you? Be simple. Understand, I'm just a child. I'm not able. But he is. And trust in him and let him do it in your life. Because you can't. You couldn't save yourself, could you? That's your biggest problem. Biggest problem many of us have ever had is the fact that we, we can't save ourselves. And yet, when we trusted in God, what did you do to get saved? You know, did you climb mountains? Did you build churches? Did you? No. You just said, Lord, I can't. But you said you would because of what Jesus did. Now, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. Will you do it? And what happened? He did it. It's amazing. Listen, God wants you to live like that. God wants you to stay in that place. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. He wants you to depend upon him. He wants you to expect good from him. He wants you to look to him. He wants you to depend upon him. Verse 7, return unto thy rest, O my soul. Do you know the only place your soul can rest is in him? Because the trouble with the world is it's full of trouble. It's full of difficulty. If you try and find rest in the world, oh, listen, you might achieve it for a while. You might achieve it for a little while. You might get it sorted in your, in your life that you've got things organized and in order for a little while. But it, 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 it always gets beyond that, doesn't it? And there's always trouble and there's, 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 there's always difficulty. There's only one place you and I are going to find rest. There's only one place you and I are going to find that we can actually rest in and know his presence and his power and be able to live effectively. And he says, return unto your rest. Come back to the place of rest. Now, what does it take to come back to the place of rest? It takes the simplicity of, Lord, I can't. I need you. It takes you standing down off your pride and coming to the place where you recognize your weakness and you say, Lord, I'm not able. I need you. Will you do it? And God responds to that. And you get to return to your rest. What's getting in the way of your rest? What's hindering you from coming back to that place of rest? I guarantee it's pride. It always is. And pride is not, you know, you thinking you're the best person on the planet and you being all full of yourself. Pride is just you not recognizing I'm not able. I need him. Pride is you failing to recognize that key reality of life. I can't. I'm not able. But he is. And when you come to that place where you start resting in him, you know, you can rest. You can really rest. Um, Verse 8, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. David felt like he was going to die. He had, he just spent his time weeping. Whatever was the problem, he spent his time weeping, and his feet from falling. He felt he was going to fall. He was going to. He was just going to. He couldn't make it. 
But God delivered him from it. Now, notice what he doesn't say. I pulled myself together and I made it happen. I did this or I did that. No, no. I cried out to God and he delivered me. And he saved my soul from death and he saved my tears and saved me from my tears and he saved me from falling. And you and I got to understand that. No, you know what? I didn't, but he did. And when I depend upon him, he, he always does. It's him that does it. He wants us to look to him and to depend upon him. He says, and I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now, that's an interesting way of putting it. I'm going to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Well, what does he mean? What does he mean? I'm going to walk and live my life as though God's eye is upon me. Because it is. As though God's watching everything I do. So I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to live my life effectively, but I'm going to look up and I'm going to see him with his eye on me. I'm going to live knowing that God is looking over everything in my life. Now, listen, that's not, you know, the bogeyman with the big stick waiting to whack you. That's you recognizing my heavenly Father loves me, he delivers me, he takes care of me. I'm going to live my life as though he's involved in every moment of it. You see, we're very likely to give certain moments of our, our, our lives to God, aren't we? Well, our devotional time, that's God's. Church time, that's God's. Right? <clears throat> but the rest of the, my life is mine. No, no, David said, no, 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 I'm going to walk in the land of the living. I'm going to live my life as though God's eye is upon me. Now, what does that mean to you and I? Well, that means that I'm just as aware of God tomorrow morning when I go about my business as I am tonight when I'm standing here before you. I'm just... As aware of God when I go to bed tomorrow night, I'm just as aware of God when everything I do, because you know what? He's involved in everything I do. And that's not the bogeyman. That's, oh, my friend is with me all the time. The one that cares for my soul, the one that can deliver me when I can't deliver myself, he is here, he is with me. I live my life with him. You see, Walking in the Spirit is the privilege of this New Testament age, and it means, if you want to put a picture on it, it means taking the hand of Jesus and walking with Him every day. Walking with Him every day till it comes to the place where it's not even a burden, it's not something you're aware of, it's just your habit of life. That's what it means. And that's what God wants for you, and that's the best life it is possible for us to live. That's what David said. I'm, I'm going to walk before him in the land of the living. I'm going to live my life as though God's involved in everything because he is. You and I need to do that too. We need to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. We need to take the hand of the Savior. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to abide in Christ. All those terms are just the same thing. We need to live as though he is real and he is involved and he's here now and he will be here all through my week. Oh, listen, that's a great way to live. When you're doing something wrong, he's going to say, don't do that. When you need comfort, he's going to lift you up and comfort you. You know, when you feel like you're flagging, he's, he's going to strengthen you. You walk with him every day of your life. Don't put him in a box. Don't put him in, in, in your spiritual box. No, you walk with him in the land of the living. You walk with him every day. All day, every day. And your life, that, that's life transforming. Just that truth alone. 
is life-transforming life if you let it be, right? <clears throat> Verse 10, I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Now, <clears throat> It's interesting the way this verse is put. Uh, all men are liars. What's he feeling? Let down, isn't he? They failed me. You know, <clears throat> and he said in his haste, all men are liars. Now notice he's saying, I said in my haste, because it's not true. Do people let us down? Yeah, because they're frail, they're weak, they're just like us. But are they all liars? Are there, are, is there nobody out there that's trustworthy at all? No, that's not true either. He just said that in his haste. That's the way he felt, so he said it. We need to be careful, two things. We need to be careful that we don't trust in people and expect them to deliver us, because they can't deliver us. But we need to be careful that we don't get a, 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 a John the cynical eye where we look at people and you know there's no good thing in them. Yeah, that's on one level that's true, but the reality is we're social creatures and we need people. So we need to reckon, yeah, there's weakness in everybody, but I need people in my life. <clears throat> you know, so that uh, we reckon that, no, they're not all liars, and no, they're not all uh, scoundrels out to get you. There are nice people out there. There are people that will bless your life. And you've got you to kind of expect that, but you don't put your trust in them like you do in God. Because if you do, you'll always, if you put your trust in people and you, and you want them to be God, they're always going to fail you. But when you reckon they have weaknesses just like you do, you know what? You can trust in people and you can walk with people and you can enjoy them because you need them. You need them in your life. Um, <clears throat> verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What am I going to give God? Do you ever ask yourself that question? What am I going to give God for all his benefits towards me? Now, for you to ask that question... You need to be aware of all his benefits towards you. How are you going to be aware of all his benefits towards you? you know, isn't, isn't it interesting how complacent we can get? I keep thinking of the ten lepers. Ten lepers got healed. One guy came back and Jesus said, where are the nine? Well, they were too busy about their lives to come and, come and be thankful. Nine out of ten people are not thankful. That means that, you know what, our propensity, our default is to be unthankful. It's our default to actually be, <clears throat> be unthankful. So <clears throat> uh, if I'm going to render unto God what he's doing, I'm going to have to start getting thankful. Now what have we got to be thankful for? Well, he's going to talk about the cup of salvation in a moment. You and I have enjoyed the cup of salvation in a way that David never could. David never had the full revelation that you and I have. David could look forward and, and, and see in the hazy, distant future that God was going to do something and it was going to come through him, and, but he, he could, it was hazy. You and I look back and we see a Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, come down, hang on a cross and pay the price for our sin. We, we see written where he said, It is finished. We've got all the New Testament and all the glorious truth that, that unravels a new age for the children of God. We've got all of that. You know what? We could get grateful for that. We could, we could be really grateful for that. And you know, if God's blessing stopped there and he end, you ended up in a prison for the rest of your life with only the blessing of salvation, you still could be grateful every day of your life for that. But it doesn't stop there, does it? 
That's not the end of it. That's not all there is. There's more, isn't there? What else does God give you? I was reading uh, King Solomon. Didn't enjoy the blessings we enjoy. How, how, how do you work with that? King Solomon never flicked a switch and saw the lights come on. Just didn't happen. He didn't have that. King Solomon never got in his car and turned the ignition and drove. If King Solomon wanted to go to Africa, he had to go on a chariot and a boat and all of that. You know what? You and I just get in a plane. We can go into. You know, King Solomon didn't have heat and cold like we do. We could turn up the heat and make it warm. He said, Oh, come on, Pastor. I'm sure he had so, so many of Edom's. I'm sure he did. But not like we do. I, I mean, I remember a day in Ireland when we didn't have heat like we do today. I remember a day, you know, when your house was cold except in front of the fire. I, that was the only place in the house that was warm. And, and I, I'm not as old as you think I am, right? Uh, but King Solomon didn't have those things. He didn't have, he, listen, you've got lots of things to thank God for. You've got a full belly today. You know, there's a lot of people in the world today that only dream. They only dream of having a full belly. You know, if you get a cut today that's deep enough and you're willing to make the weight up until a hospital, you can go and you can sit in A&E and somebody will stitch you up and take care of you and you have every chance of recovering from it. You know, a lot of people in the world don't have that today. You know, there's so many things that you and I could be grateful for. So many things that you and I should thank the Lord for. So many things in our lives that are, that are gifts. And all good gifts come from his hand. And he says, be grateful. He says, look at those things and <clears throat> be thankful. Um, <clears throat> and he says, what will I render to the Lord for all, the bene- all his benefits towards me? Then notice what he says. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will enter into his salvation and I will call upon his name. Have you done that? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you come to that place where you've made him your Savior? I think that, that that's what it would mean uh, <clears throat> to a New Testament uh, person. Have, have you asked him to save you? Oh, listen, that's the most important thing in life. Why would you not, by the way? Why would you say no to the gift of salvation? What would hold you back there? Couldn't it be just your pride? What else would hold you back? I'm not going to admit that I can't make it on my own, that I need him. What does he have to do in our lives to show us that? Listen, take the cup of salvation. The picture is this. It's offered to you. Take it. Say, yes, Lord, I need it. I want it. Come to that place where you give up trying to make it happen for yourself and you, and you trust him and you accept it uh, his way and you uh, accept salvation. Don't, don't, don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on salvation. Then he says, I will pay my, pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Now, what's he talking about his vows? David had made vows to the Lord, things he had promised he would do, and he said, I'm going to do them. I'm going to follow through on them. Do you know that if you and I make vows to the Lord, it's very important that we keep them? And that there are times when in desperate moments we promise God things, and I don't think that it's a good idea 
But there are times when we promise God things and we should follow through on them. We should do them. We should do those things that that we've promised to God that we would do. When you make a vow before God, it's a serious thing. And you should do it. You should follow through on it. David said, I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of all his people. He was going to do it publicly. He was going to make sure everybody knew I made a vow to God and God did this in my life and, and, and he's going to do it. He's going to let everybody, he's not going to hide it. He's going to make sure everybody knows. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It, it seems from this verse that David was dealing with an issue where, where somebody belonging to him had died. And you know, people are going to die. Every one of us, ultimately, unless the rapture comes, we're going to die. And it doesn't matter how much we know that truth, and it doesn't matter um, <clears throat> how prepared we are. Death is a wrench. It's just a huge wrench. When somebody you love and somebody you care about and somebody who's a major part of your life dies, it's a wrench. It, it, <clears throat> it, it's, just, it's just hard for us to bear. You know, it never happens by accident. David said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's a precious thing. There's going to come a day when you and I die. It's going to be a precious thing in the eyes of the Lord. It's not going to happen just by accident. It's going to be a precious thing. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. Uh, I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid, and thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. David says, I'm going to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Gratitude is so important in our lives, and yet we can so easily miss it. In 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 18, it says, Give thanks to the Lord always, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, we take the will of God to be a very serious thing. You know, we, we take that to be a very serious issue. And when it comes down to the will of God, you may be searching for the will of God in your, in your life right now. Let me tell you one thing that's absolutely, categorically, clearly the will of God for you, that you develop a thankful spirit. That you develop a thankful life. That you develop a heart and an attitude that's constantly giving thanks to God for the blessings in your life. That you develop a spirit that's constantly coming before him and thanking him for the good that he's doing in your life. You gotta recognize it to do it, but you gotta develop that spirit in your life. You gotta come you gotta come to the place where where somebody put it this way that the, the gratitude is the overflow in our lives of all the goodness God keeps on us. It's the overflow. It's, it's not just us, uh, you know, going through the motions. It's us thanking him for all he's doing in our lives. You know, looking at the blessings that you have, looking at the things he's given you, looking at even the difficulties eventually. I don't say that one's easy, but you know what? You need to give thanks for the difficulties because that's your loving Heavenly Father working to make you like Jesus to give you a better resurrection. He says, I want you to be thankful for it. Give thanks in all things, he says. But, but we need to live a life that's lived with thanksgiving in mind. 
By the way, we're talking about discouragement this morning. You know one of the things that will overcome discouragement in your life uh, powerfully is just learning to give thanks. Learning to just thank God for all that he's doing in your life. Just saying, Lord, thank you. And, and go through a day. Listen, if you're feeling low, give yourself a fast as far as asking. And instead of asking, thank. So instead of you going with your prayer request and saying, Lord, will you do this and do that and do the other? Just say, Lord, thank you for this and thank you. And I'll tell you, it's amazing how it will lift your spirit and how you'll get happy in it and how you begin to actually see God more in your life when you start thanking. But just give thanks. Just start giving thanks to God uh, in your life. Um, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. And what's happened is, here we have David in verse 3. Uh, he's talking about the pains of hell got hold of him, and the sorrows of death compassed him about. But by the time we get to the end of the psalm, David is just rejoicing and giving praise in the house of the Lord because he's excited that all that God has done in his life. Now, how did it come about? First of all, he didn't just look at the sorrows and say, well, that's the way it is. He did what every child of God can do. He said, Lord, I need your help. I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. I need your help. He called upon the Lord. In his simplicity, in just his trusting way, he called upon the Lord. And then God did what God always does. God answers God answered, God met his need, God took care of him, God blessed him. And then David gave thanks. And you know what happened? His spirits lifted. And you know what happens for you and I? Same thing. Sometimes we miss entirely. The pain has a purpose. The pain is to bring me to the place where I cry out to God. And the crying out to God is to bring me to the place where I see God moving in my life. And seeing God moving in my life should give me gratitude. And that'll make me pretty happy if I let it. So let's take a a lesson from David today. Got a problem? Got a difficulty? Got something you can't? You just can't fix yourself? By the way, he's, he's able to do that in your life. No matter how good you are at organizing things, he's able to put things in your life that you just can't fix. Would you not take David's advice tonight and cry out to God, Lord, help me, I can't, but you can. And expect that he will answer. And when he does, give thanks. And I'll tell you what, life will get better. Let's stand for prayer.